Did you miss us? Because we sure as hell miss you. And welcome to another edition of Killinois with Bird and Cam. This is Bird, and as always, with me, Cam. Cam, how we doing, my love? Well, a lot has happened since we've talked last. Right. Um, to anybody out there who watched Game of Thrones, holy fuck. Yeah, Arya Stoddard, oh. MVP. And, and anybody else who watched Endgames, I haven't watched it yet, but apparently that's a whole you, thing. Oh, okay, I was, about to, I was about to spoil the... Well, I mean, like, it's already been spoiled for me, so like... I'm okay, like, yeah, because I mean, if you have... It's like one of those things, I think the rule is, if you haven't, uh... If it's been more than, like, 72 hours, then that's on you. And, like, in my defense, though, like, you know, if you didn't watch Game of Thrones last night, you're an idiot. Like... You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so again, guys, thank you so much for coming for another go round of Killing with Bird and Cam. Uh, it's been a little while since we have commenced, I believe, since the Elliot Rogers episode. And if you can't recall that last one, Cam, do you have any kind of feedback, any kind of like, you know, last words? On oh my God, I express my hatred <laughs> oh. pretty, pretty clearly, but, uh. I just, again, I go back to my, my same thing that I say over and over again. I just, I would love to pick their brain. Mm-hmm. I would love to see what, you know, I understand, you know, certain people, like what we're going to talk about today, were raised certain ways to believe certain things. Yeah. And then there's people that are just, they get, they they create this crazy, like, fantasy in their head and... Just a whole different mindset on why they feel that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, yeah. So, uh, this week is going to be still road tripping. Uh, hell, we haven't seen, we haven't been doing this in three weeks and hell, we're still on the road. So, um, we were, we were stuck in California for a little bit. Uh, pollution like a motherfucker. But, um, this one is, uh, very kind of like newsworthy because again, this like, um, you had one of the last perpetrators of this crime that we're going to be talking about actually being, you know, capitally punished. And uh, we figured, what better way to actually cover this one? So um, we are going to be doing James Bird. Um, this was a pretty, high, pretty, pretty controversial and significant uh, case. Um, we're talking about lynching in the 1990s, like, you just, like, right there. Like, the late 1990s, like, literally 2000 is right around the corner, mm-hmm. so it's not like this was a long time ago. Right, and, and mean, in, in, in the current climate with racial relations, and you seeing that all of these mass shootings, for example, and then we were just talking about before we got on air with the white supremacists in the synagogue, like, it's, it's to a point that we're callous. It's not acceptable that this seems to be so okay and casual. That mm-hmm. Nobody's sending prayers anymore. Nobody's addressing the situation. The first time someone addressed something was the New Zealand shooting. And right. That was this year. So, mm-hmm. so a, lot, a lot needs to be changed. Mm-hmm. So, and we're going to go back into 1998. And again, it's just like what's so fascinating is that we are 34 years removed from the Civil Rights Act, 
where during that era, especially more so in the 50s than it was in the 60s, where you had these things come be commonplace. With Emmett Till uh, comes to mind. So when you have something like this in 1998, a modern day lynching at that, and I guess, and I remember when I read this story when I was like six years old uh, on Jet Magazine, and like they, if rightfully so, as we're going to get into, they didn't talk about the the details of you know this murder. And for good, re again, for good reason, but like, I did not know to the extent of the brutality and the totality of, you know, what James Byrd endured. Exactly. I actually, I agree with you. I actually, for a little bit, believe that some of the, I couldn't tell if the story was true or not. I was watching, I just got done watching the Two Towns of Jasper documentary and they never go into the details of what they discovered in a body. It's really detailed what was behind what happened to this body. And upon reading reading more details of what happened, it's just crazy how much of a hate crime this was. Mm -hmm. No way does this not scream hate crime. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that's it before we really delve into this. Uh, Cam, could you hit the good people with the disclaimer? Absolutely. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. We hope you've had an eventful couple weeks. Happy holiday, Passover, Easter, whatever you uh, celebrate. Um, but we just want to remind you guys, we are here to report and just do our job. The facts and information we talk about, we find through various sources, such as police reports, newspaper clippings, internet sources. If for some reason we say anything that is incorrect or offends the victims, the families, or the persecuted and their families, Please let us know at Killinois with Verticam via Facebook. That's the quickest way we respond. Um, I should also note, too, there's going to be a lot of adult content in this episode. Um, so I'm hoping you guys are all over the age of 18 because this is not for um This ain't for the week apart. Yeah. This yeah. Is, and again, I mean, look, we do true crime, a true crime podcast that talks specifically about murder. 99 out of 100 times. So, I mean, again, but... In this case, when we do talk about these details, it's just like, wow. Yeah, not for the faint of heart. So, um, again, we're going to be taking a trip down south to Jasper, Texas. And uh, our victim, James Byrd Jr., was born on May 2nd, 1949 in Jasper County, Texas. He was one of nine children. James Byrd grew up to be a father and grandfather himself. And Ross Bird, his only son, has been involved with Murders Victims Families for Reconciliation. And this is an organization that actually opposes capital punishment. And will that will all come as fruition as we get into the story. But we go to June 7, 1998. And it was said that Bird was drunkenly walking home that night down a dark pole path in the city limits when he accepted a ride from Sean Berry, a 23-year-old, along with his friends, 31-year-old Lawrence Brewer and 23-year-old John King. It is said that Barry and Bird were acquainted with one another from around town. So what is interesting is that these three men, uh, Barry, Brewer, and King, that they were say that they were cruising town, drinking, and wanting to pick up women. Now, Killicam, I don't know about you, but the way this story breaks down makes it hard to believe this incident was premeditated wasn't premeditated as we will get further along in these guys backgrounds so 
instead of these three men giving Bird a ride home, they decide to take a different route. And the three men took Bird on a remote county road out of town, and they beat him severely, spray-painted on his face, and as some stories, uh, police reports even said that they urinated and defecated on Bird. Now, that last, again, that last part, part isn't 100% positive, but there's multiple sites around, you know, you can search hard on the internet, you'll be able to, you know, find some of these sources that are corroborated, and once they were done torturing Bird, these men, or pretty much fucking monsters, they, you would think that'd be enough, but these fucking monsters proceeded to chain Bird to the back of the pickup truck and drag him for three fucking miles on asphalt, and it was later discovered by the coroner that Bird was alive during the majority of this incident, and there were three miles, when it was all said and done, there were three miles of blood and human flesh that was also discovered, and the coroner would later go on to say that Bird stayed alive until his head and right arm were decapitated after the truck made multiple swerves. Now, along with that, majority of Bird's ribs were fractured. And after this being dragged and literally torn apart, it is said that Barry, Brewer, and King dumped the mutilated remains of Bird's body in front of an African-American church and then drove the, to enjoy a nice barbecue. And I want to remind everyone that, again, this isn't the 1940s or even the early 1900s. I mean, this is, again, this is 30 years removed, you know, from the civil, you know, the civil rights movement where you had, they were combating shit like this. And before, you know, um, you elaborate, Cam, I do want to add this point. Just, you know, when you talk about lynching in the 1990s and why this was such an eye-opener. Now, according to a report by the Tuskegee Institute, 4,743 people were lynched between 1882 and 1968 in the United States. 3,446 of these people were African Americans. Uh, more than 73% of these lynchings during this post-Civil War period occurred in the South. So, I mean... That's a weird... No, it's not weird, but what I'm saying is it shows that that it's still alive though today mm -hmm. and that's what's terrifying that we keep saying oh this is history this is history but it's not because it's still happening today mm -hmm. and on top of that after these guys uh had a nice bar barbecue it was later found a uh, bird's body was later found by a motorcyclist um following the murder so the following next day and this find was the start of something that would change American history forever. Evidence was all over this three-mile crime scene. And at this time, police were really, really hoping it wasn't a race crime, while the town became more and more segregated, one blaming the other. Uh, at this time, many were confused about who, what, and how this all happened. But upon viewing this three-mile crime scene, police officers started to find pieces of the scene and began to create a real timeline of what went down. They later found uh, different types of evidences, and one of the things they found was a wrench on the scene, and it coincidentally had Barry on it. Along with that, they had a light in, or light in, a lighter that was found, and a possum was inscribed on it, which 
was later found out was uh, King's prison nickname. So that was not coincidence. Mm-hmm. And on top of both of those items found, there was 81 different places where birds' remains were littered. So See, just again, remember that. Like, like, like when you sent me that, and again, I just let the, the, the look on my face, like I nearly dropped my fucking phone. Like 81 different places. And again, like I said in the, in the beginning of this recording, I remember, not as vividly, but I do remember reading this story. And... I guess my first thought is like, oh man, you know, getting dragged down a con, you know, down a road for about three miles. Yes, that is going to be excruciating pain. But I'm thinking probably at worst, of course, what what does a six year old know about blunt force trauma? But I'm thinking at least the body is going to be intact. But you mean to tell me that they have 81 different places where this man's remains is like found? And that, too, just points out, that just agrees with what the coroner was saying, that this man was still still alive when this happened. And I don't know how coherent um, Bird was when they actually picked him up for him to even realize he was not going home, that he was going down a different alley. And so that's, that's terrifying if he, he knew he was about to be tortured and everything. Mm-hmm. So... Just crazy. Yeah, it is. And and when the details of this case were um, revealed to the public, it really started to echo, echo lynching traditions. Now, we did mention that afterwards, um, the three perpetrators uh, started to have a barbecue. And again, it really evokes the, the I guess, the atmosphere of how these lynchings were were kind of thought of in those days. And let's just go back a little while to the 1890s and to the 1920s. And this is where lynchings were often really commonplace. Like, they were large mob actions, and they were attended by hundreds and thousands of watchers. In fact, there's um, there's a very infamous photo uh, of a lynching in Peoria, Illinois, and it's like some some social gathering, and you have a, you have a black man hanging in the background, and then and these guy and and, and, this, and a whole bunch of people are just looking as if it's oh we're just taking a oh, portrait. Like this is what we're all here for. Mm-hmm. That's insane. And 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 afterwards, you know, these people would have a throw a barbecue or picnic. So I mean, it was just the thought process. Of how lynching, and again, we're talking about the 1890s and 1920s, and then you fast forward to the 1990s, where you think, after all the substantial change that this country had made, and, and stymieing this kind of behavior, that this this happens, like, it's, it, it, it's you would think it's an outlier, but like, what the fuck? Coincidentally, this happened, that's why I'm, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I have I have weird beliefs, and especially too after I watched the two towns of Jasper, right? It it really frustrates me because we as a whole never take things like this into consideration until it happens to us. Yeah, it will never happen to us. It'll happen to the person next door to me, but not me. And then it happens to you. Mm-hmm. 
Uh-huh. Now, now the story behind this, uh, it was a documentary in 2001 or 2003, I believe, and a group of independent filmmakers, uh, reporters, had interviewed uh, residents of Jasper, Texans, uh, Texans, Texas, Caucasian residents, along with uh, African-American residents, and it really blew our fucking minds. And you had uh, so many, you know, the white residents, they were saying, well, there aren't racists, but then they have their president prejudice. And they were raised to say hi and bye, not to speak to others of the other race. And I mean, again, Cam, uh, I ask you, how the fuck is that not racism? My favorite part of that scene in that movie was when they talked about how... In 1999, everyone was considered soft. And... Yeah. If only they knew today. But mm-hmm. they would say that, oh, they used to... These same people that said they weren't racist, everybody used to drop the N-word all the time. Exactly. And he was like... And it was a, it was an elder, elder guy who like was older, interviewed. Older and he was like, talking about... Grandpa. Right. And he was talking about... Oh, I think, and again, you know, as we preface this about we live in a society where, you know, maybe we are a little too much politically correct, but this guy's position was like, well, you know, we live in a gener- we live in a society just now, and again, this was 20 years ago, so yeah. imagine now, but he was like, we were living in a society where, uh, you know, we were getting soft into the effect of, well, we can't say, you know, the N-word. We weren't saying it prejudicially. We're just doing it just to describe people. No, but the best part was he'd say he would describe people, but I'd never say to their face, just just, just to my friends and behind their face. Mm-hmm. It's like, mm, that doesn't really work out if you're not racist. Or... That sounds like a 4chan comic board, God. But Yes, yes. And then there was this other lady there that, talked about how Bird wasn't a goody two-shoes type of guy. He isn't a role model for our kids. And all this bullshit that, like, oh, almost as if he he deserved this to happen. And they continue to say that, but a dog, like, we wouldn't ever do that to a dog or a human being. But Bird wasn't as good as people are making him out to be. And the, I have a couple issues with that. So my first issue I have with that comment is you keep stating Bird is not a good person. And he's had his fair share of runs and run-ins with the law. He's got his skeletons in his closet. But what makes you a good person? What makes your decisions better than his? Mm-hmm. I do things that feel that's best for my family, whereas it, can just, it, it could somehow destroy someone else's in life. We, we as a country, fight wars because we feel it's best for our country. Right. Not putting into consideration whose lives we're destroying. As humans, we don't see what other people, like I was saying earlier, feel like until the same issue happens to them. I, we still feel invincible and that the world is safe again until it happens to us. And mm-hmm. that's the issue we have is we also, too, compare then one, one bad egg to all the eggs. Right. And that's the issue with social media is we make, we blow things out of proportion and that follows with he said, she said, and blaming everyone but our actual selves. And Mm -hmm. the lady saying that, oh, well, he wasn't a good guy. It's, you may not have killed Bird, but you telling your kids 
to avoid certain races. In a way, in a way you're justifying it. Exactly. Yeah. And two, he's still a father. He, he's still a brother. He's a, an uncle. He's someone's child. Still to a mouse, a cat is a monster. To a cat, dogs are monsters. So mm-hmm. we all have our own perspective of what is right and what's wrong. It doesn't give anyone the right to say, well, he wasn't a good man. Right. And then this, you know, leads me to my little infamous quote, if your family was starving and you guys had no money for food, but you needed to provide food for your family and you had the opportunity to steal bread, would you do it? Knowing the benefit that it would benefit your family, even though by law it's wrong. Mm-hmm. So I, I just feel like they're really seeing only one part of the story and, to another person, they're only seeing that part of the story. Exactly. I think that it is also, and, and it just goes, again, it just really goes all the way back to, and I've talked about this in episodes past, about a standpoint theory. And now you really have a really prime example of this, um, this saying, where you're going to have these two people, say you have a white person, you have a black person from the South, who have different experiences and different points of views from those experiences. And then we add again those those uh, templates. Again, you're just reeling. You're only a 30, 30, at that point, 30 years removed from where you couldn't vote, where you couldn't have the same, you, could, you couldn't use the same bathroom, you couldn't drink the same water, and you couldn't go to the same, you know, restaurants and movie theaters. And y'all, you may say, well, you know, they're, it was separate but equal, but if you look at these, you know, these buildings it and these facilities, there was anything but equal. So, I they, mean... They it, got the concept in their mind through the media and everyone around, this is equal. No, it wasn't. No, it fucking wasn't. And it's, it's really hard to explain the difference. The only way I could explain this difference with this hatred was we were just watching... Um, it was a, I think it was only a one time, like a one season series thing called the Pacific. And the scene that I completely remember is two different soldiers. One of them says, we're here to kill Japs and all Japs. I don't care if they're good, bad, whatever. We're killing them all. Mm-hmm. all the other ones are like, we're not here to kill all the Japanese. We're not here to kill the women, the children, the innocent. We're here to kill the people that brought us to this war. And it just... It just shows the two different mindsets. It does. And then finally, if you're not going to drag a fucking dog by the back of a pickup truck, why in hell would it be plausible to accept and acceptable to drag a human? Mm-hmm. And I get it. There are bad people. There are really bad people that deserve punishment, like right. these three fucking men. But the person they killed did not deserve that. No. Bird's daughter never got to say goodbye. His siblings never got to see him again. He never got to see, you know, his grand, his babies, his grandbabies grow mm. because of some bullshit. And for what? And I mean, listen, we're going to, you know, when we talk about these individuals and we'll try to dwell down to motives and, and whatnot. But I mean, again, nobody deserves, like you said, nobody deserves to go out, get dragged by a fucking chain down a asphalt for three miles. Where they can get literally obliterated. And then they pulled some shit. Oh, we were bored. Bitch, if you were bored, fucking go jump off a go jump off a cliff or something. I don't know. And and it goes again with the risk of 
being preachy, bleeding heart liberal uh, rhetoric for you. This is saying that if we as humans cannot understand simple science behind the actual facts of skin tone, then we will fucking crash and burn. You think again, this is something so simple, but if we see in the news time and time again, you think I'm saying fucking rocket science. We are all humans with hearts and love. And if you want to throw God in there for some forsaken reason, last time I checked, he loved all of his creations. So what makes you think... I was going to say, and science-related, our origins, our skin pigment is based off of where we were in correspondence to the equator. The closer we were to the equator... The darker your skin pigments were to protect yourself from the sunrise because they were brighter and stronger versus going to the north or the south pole where the sun was very minimal and your pigment was very light because you weren't, the sun was very, very, or the sunrise were very, very dim. Mm-hmm. So, fucking science. Yeah, look, and this is my thing. I, I, and it's not like just a grandstand or not to say, oh, you know, we're, our, our thing is so much better. But I was brought up to believe, again, there were two races. The human race and the pennant race. And, uh, and to this day, and like I said, I was taught about this uh, over 20-something years. And again, that's something I still believe. And again, what makes you think that you're better than the next person because of a race, because of a creed, because of a sexuality, it's just, it, it's so fucking mind-boggling, and it's just so, again, just really asinine that, like, you just have people who just have such warped philosophies, and again, again, you'd think this is the easiest GED shit. Right, like, we learned about this a long time ago, guys, where did the how did hatred get stemmed off that? Mm-hmm. I just, I just don't understand how we can't understand the facts of like behind skin tone, and if we can't get over that, then we're never going to be able to go forward. Yeah. So, but, anyways, back back to back to our actual case. Um, the police officers did a lot of constant investigation, and they were able to bring three individuals forward. Uh, that they believe are a part of this hate crime. And these individuals were Sean Berry, 23, who was the one that left his wrench behind, uh, Lawrence Brewer, 31, and John King, who left the lighter with Possum behind. Mm. It was quickly discovered that Lawrence and Brewer, uh, or that Lawrence Brewer and John King seemed to be one with the Aryan race and strongly gang-affiliated. Uh, they had multiple tattoos all over their bodies that proved they were with white power and had some type of hatred towards other races. And two, they have a lot of experience in jail um, versus Barry. Or, yeah, versus Barry. And as soon as this information was released, this crime immediately turned into a, ra- a hate racist crime that, cha- that changed the perspective of this entire uh, case. Now, Sean Barry was 23 and he was born on February 12, 1975. And comparing to his two other friends, Barry kind of seemed like the odd man out. He didn't have tattoos that represented an Aryan race or hatred towards other races. He didn't have history, have any really history whatsoever, but he was the driver of this pickup truck, supposedly. 
that drag bird. And he was the only one that seemed to have some type of connection with Bird 2. And upon initial investigation, Barry claimed that Brewer and King were entirely responsible for the attack, and that he was more or less forced or course to go along with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but throughout the trials, Barry continued to state his innocence and how little of a role he played. Um, little not Barry was part of the incident. Mm-hmm. Now you were talking about um, Barry's family and like during a documentary and kind of like oh, how yeah, they yeah. were. Um, in it, in the documentary too, it talks about uh, Barry's family. Uh, they kind of speak out regarding all the backlash that uh, Barry has actually been receiving throughout the trials. And to me, after watching it, it, it they were def- it seemed like they were defending them. Which you know, this is their family. You would do what's best for your family, right? Um, but at the same time, it did. It, it seemed like they didn't really want to believe that their brother or their son. Uh, the boy who never spewed hate was actually part of this brutal hate crime. And it seemed like his family was shattered from this incident and lost all hope. But the most that I saw that happen was the brother of Sean Berry went on a radio station to apologize. And again, at the end of the apology, it still to me seemed like they felt like I don't know, maybe I was just being really biased or something, but I don't know, I just still, I understand they're hurting too because they lost their son, but they still get to see him. He still gets to live and breathe every day and wake up and go to bed every day. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's just what boggles my mind because I I guess if I was on either side, I would, you know, defend my family, but... right. I mean, again, he, like you said, he was the driver of yeah. his pickup truck while James Bird was getting dragged. Yeah, and decapitated and, decapitated. and everything. Yeah, so, I mean, huh. It's, and it's it's weird, too, because we go into, like, what their punishment was. He gets seen, he seemed to get the lesser uh, punishment of them all, even though he was the person behind why Bird was actually murdered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, we talk. We then we go to Lawrence Brewer, who was again as thirty-one years old, the eldest of the three men, and he was born on March 13, nineteen sixty-seven. And it was again later revealed that Brewer was a white supremacist who, prior to the murder of James Bird, served time in prison for drug possession and burglary. So it's you know no surprise that this guy was a piece of shit from the start and. Brewer was paroled in 1991 and quickly violated his parole and returned to prison. And once he was in prison again, Brewer claimed that he had to join the white supremacist uh, group, uh, I'm assuming the Aryan Brotherhood, perhaps when he watched Oz, to to safeguard himself from other inmates. And that said, uh, now if any uh, of our listeners um, who watch any kind of, you know, jail, prison show, again, whether that be... Uh, so whether that be uh, lockup on MSNBC every Saturday night, uh, sixty days in, sixty days in, like you, it's confirmed that you know most of these men must follow their skin tone. It, it doesn't matter who you follow, who you were on the outside, behind bars is all about survival. Um, again, you see a lot of cases where 
you know, sh uh, straight collar guys who want to say straight collars, but you know, guys who may have not had any preconceived uh, prejudice toward you know a, a certain kind of people. They would go in prison. They come out tattoos and just you they know, come out worse than what they went in. Exactly. And it goes the same for, like, somebody, you know, an African-American, they'll go into prison, they come back a Muslim, you know, it's, now, I'm not saying they're going to come out like, you know, the 1960 Muslims or anything like that, but, like, again, it's just, it's all about coming, you know, survival. But, again, it's exactly. no excuse for, you know, Brewer to do the types of things that, you know, he would end up doing. So, again, exactly. this is really interesting to see how the law and how, the prison system works in that regard. Exactly. And two, what I thought was crazy, just through the whole trial of Lawrence Brewer, especially, uh, and I'm basing this off, again, the documentary that I watched, The Two Towns of Jasper, um, he really didn't show remorse. He didn't show that he was sorry that he did this. He didn't really, you know, when he said they were all looking for ladies, he didn't stand behind it as if he was sorry that this happened and even the day before Brewer's execution in 2001 he again showed no remorse for his crime and I'm not kidding you I swear to god he even smirked leaving the courtroom mm. and even though he knew he was gonna die mm. he even stated too it was said he even stated as far as regrets no I have no regrets and no I do it all over again to tell you the truth so this man was out to kill, and that yeah. night he did. So, so oh. that said, that said, and then kind of giving, I want to get ahead of myself. So again, they go to trial, and it was revealed that well, Barry had claimed again that uh, Brewer. Okay, well, I'm kind of getting confused, but Brewer <sighs> had testified that Barry had cut Bird's throat before he was tied to the truck, but the jury had saw that there was little evidence to support that claim, and as a result, Barry was spared the death penalty and sentenced to life in prison, as Cam referred to in the beginning. But in the case of Brewer and King, they were both convicted and sentenced to death in 1999. So. And I would like to, like, I really want to go be, that's why we're going to have a two-parter on this, because I'm really mm -hmm. going to, we're really going to break down the documentaries behind this. Um, there's a lot behind Barry seemed like the only one that fought to save his life. Um, mm. Well, by in turning in other, probably turning in others, but like. yeah, him turning in everyone else and like blaming everyone else is what saved him. Not saying he didn't have a big role, but that's what saved him. And thanks to Lawrence Brewer, uh, before his execution in two thousand one, he ordered the last meal. Yeah, he ordered this bomb-ass last meal. It included two chicken fried steaks smothered with gravy, sliced with onions, a triple patty bacon cheeseburger, a cheese omelet with ground beef, tomatoes, onions, bell peppers, and jalapenos, a bowl of fried orca or okra uh, with ketchup, one pound of barbecued meat with a half a loaf of white bread, three fully loaded fajitas, a meat lover's pizza, one pint of bluebell vanilla ice cream, a slab of peanut butter fudge with crushed peppers and three root beers. Talk about three fucking corneraries. God damn. Right? I would love like, those root beers, though. Oh, man. All, all the Tums in the world could not save me from that. <laughs> so, 
upon getting his meal, Brewer decided to tell the officials he actually wasn't hungry at all. And as a result, he didn't eat any of it. So the entire meal was discarded. And this actually prompts State Senator John Whitmore to ask Texas prison officials to end the 87-year-old tradition of giving last meals to the condemned inmates. Prison agency's executive director responded by stating that the practice had been terminated effective immediately. So, shout out to Brewer for ruining the final meal for the rest of the assholes on death row. Yeah, well, I mean, again, it's not like, well, in the days where they had the, uh, you went to the chair, and I mean, that you can shit all that right out. So, it's kind of, always thought the... The last meals kind of defeat the purpose. Now, I don't know what it is with lethal injection. If, you know, the bowels are just, you know, just emanate out. But, like, yeah. So, <laughs> so um, we didn't go to John King. And King was actually Barry's uh, longtime friend. And King was actually accused of beating Barry with a bat. Uh, before being tied behind the truck and dying. Before Bird was tied behind a truck and died. Now, actually, again, on April 24th of just last week, King was executed. Now, according to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice spokesperson, Jeremy Diesel, he recalled that he didn't say much and his attitude seemed very calm and put together. And it has been said, uh, but it's very conflicting reports that, uh, no, not conflicting reports, but... It has been said that King has been had been very unapologetic, you know, since he was convicted and he leading up to his last day. And let's kind of like dig a little deep into uh, that day. And King declined the opportunity to make a final statement aloud before the execution was carried out. But Diesel quoted him as saying as a final statement, quote unquote, capital punishment. Them without the capital get the punishment. So, I, I, I mean, if you want to just decipher that line right there. That can mean a million and one things, especially coming from a uh, white supremacist. So, uh, what makes him think the individuals they give the punishment to don't have the capital? Mm-hmm. What makes them think that they are the rightful ones to give this punishment. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, another spokesperson had actually um, actually defended this, and he said that if a death row inmate, inmate has something to say to the public or victims, let him or her say it while they are strapped to the gurney. So, uh, I mean, do what you will with that, but, huh. Why not give them the last laugh? They already murdered somebody. Right. And discourage your family. Mm-hmm. That's fine. But again, as you see that, um, again, we're probably more so with Brewer, and, and I hope we talk about that in part two about, you know, his last day on top of the three fucking heart attacks and the stroke right. with that food, like, you know, whether he showed remorse. But again, it is, a, it is no remorse, at least from King. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And continuing on what um, I believe it was... Uh, it was uh, uh, Whitmore state, stated, state Senator uh, John Whitmore. Yeah, so I believe, uh, continuing on what he said, uh, Diesel actually declined to comment on Whitmore's letter completely. 
and the prison system routinely provides media with information about a condemned inmate's final hours leading up to the execution. A spokesman will also provide a description of the execution for the reporters at Huntsville Unit who are not credentialed to view the proceedings in the death chamber. In about an hour before the execution, Diesel described King as stoic. According to an account from the Associated Press, later he gave an account of the death by lethal injection. King did not open his eyes at any point during the process when witnesses were in the room. He said in the AP account, when the witnesses entered the witness room, Mr. King was already on the gurney. He had his eyes closed and made very little, if any, movements. Hmm. So Whitmore did call the post-execution letter insensitive and perhaps even harmful to the family of Byrd. And again, it, 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 for something that made international headlines because of the gruesome nature and again, now because of this current climate of uh, racial relations is such a hot, hotbed topic in this country, you don't know what, you know, a slippery slope that that kind of rhetoric, well, you kind of know with uh, Cheeto as the commander of chief, but it's just, you don't know what that can lead to again. So, um... Yeah, well, 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 right there, that's part one. And again, we have a shit ton of information that we'll dwell on for part two. Um, again, we're going to do, I don't know if we're going to do like a watch along where you guys can watch along with us, but then it's not on YouTube. Uh, that like would be cool. And shit. So we, can, we can do the breakdown of we it. We can do the breakdown. Yeah, we'll do the breakdown and then we're going to talk a little more about kind of like the aftermath from the bird, uh, um, from bird the James Bird, yeah, um, from the bird's eye view, <laughs> from the bird, from the bird, <laughs> oh boy, the vantage point, but, um, yeah, it's just a lot of, you know, stuff, a lot of information, we're gonna delve into that, and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, any thoughts, Cam? It's just, there's so much, from what I've learned growing up to what I learned in the past couple of days, there's just, so much hatred behind this crime. And even if for some godforsaken reason these guys were telling the goddamn truth about just cruising looking for ladies and coincidentally it ran into birding, coincidentally all this mm-hmm. happened. Now, there was kind of so- like, my bad to cut you off, but there was kind of like the, um, the, the rumor innuendo was that King was repeatedly gang raped by a number of black inmates and I did end up reading about that. I did read that uh I don't know how many but I did read that at one point that happened and that's what started his hatred mm-hmm. towards that race. However, Barry claimed uh his good friend Barry who didn't have a record who was the driver who claimed he was forced to go along with these proceedings, claimed he didn't know his good friend that he's known probably his whole life was hated black people and was a supremacist, and which is hard to believe because when you have a friend like that, you should know what they like and what they don't like. Yeah. It's, it's that simple, and especially when it's tattooed all over your body. It's, yeah, it's very hard to say, oh, no, you know, it was just a... It was a chance encounter. It just... 
I understand. And I, I understand there's always people are going to, you know, say one thing's hypocritical compared to another thing that we're saying. But Bird was still a father, was still, you know, a son, a grandfather, an uncle. And he still had a family that cared about him a lot. Mm-hmm. He may have had run-ins with the law, but I don't recall the run-ins ever being um, something as controversial right. as what regardless, happened to Regardless of, you know, his past or whatnot, nobody deserves, whether he was black or whether he was white or Mexican or gay or straight or transgender, nobody deserves because they look different to to go out that way. He hated on. Yeah, we everybody there's not one person that is the same and we should mm-hmm. be proud about being unique and different and being our own person. And I don't know what makes people think they can pick and choose whose lives they want to run and who like whose lives they don't want to run. The only life you can run is yourself. Yeah, and, and your kids until they turn eighteen. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's... just be happy with what you have and build on that. Don't worry about other people's lives and what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hate will spread hate like a fucking wildfire. Hey, I'll drink to that, buddy. And again, we will be back um, Thursday or Friday. Uh, so I'm going to see Good Charlotte Thursday. All right, we're going to be back in this motherfucker. So, again, we're going to be doing more. We're going to be kind of like more detailed on the two Jaspers, the documentary that we've been referencing. And, again, we're going to be talking about kind of like the aftermath from James Byrd's family and legislation that has, you know, uh, that stemmed from this. And kind of like the landscape of hate crimes in Texas and whether or not there has been change. So, again, we will have a lot, you know, for you relatively soon. And then after that, we will be back in Illinois. Um, yes. There is, a, we've talked about it on the burner that we will be doing next week, uh, the Browns Chicken Massacre. Um, that was a case that happened when we were, what, infants? And like... I think, what was it, 1990? No, it was 1993. 93? Yeah. Yeah, so, so we're like, only yeah, no, we're like six months. What you well, when uh, in four, four months. I was four months, you're five months. Again, you're like you're Hell like, yeah. You're like twelve but days. But my mom my mom worked in Palatine. Yeah. So. Like you got to like I really want to know like her perspective of like as this yeah. happening, like seven people. Yeah, seven people were killed at a Brown's chicken uh restaurant. And Thank God she wasn't one of those oh. seven. And the case was cold for about 15 years. And again, this was one of the most uh, infamous murders in the late, you know, in 1990s. You know, and so we're going to be talking about that. Um, we're going to be, you know, a lot more proactive in the last couple, next couple of weeks with our output and leading up to June, which is going to be our one year anniversary. I hope you guys all got that. Oh, <laughs> oh boy, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't. I'm really excited. Oh, oh, oh that's what it was. I, I was like, say, ah! I, 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 well, that said, um, they can, uh, where can they uh, find 
I was going to switch it up, but I was going to. So where can we find you on social media? So you guys can find me on Instacam630 on Instagram. Hit me up. Um, follow me. Like my shit. Um, you can also find us on Killinois Burning Cam on Instagram. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at I like stuff 630 um, And if you can find Birdman on Facebook, you'll find me. So Yeah, because, she, again, like, and it's kind of depressing in a sense <laughs> that she... I'm sorry. Like, yeah, she will comment, she comments on like 83% of my posts, so yeah, you will find Yeah, you'll find me. <laughs> so that said, you'll find me on Alex Camp on Facebook, you can find me on the Twitter, on Birdman for America, that's a number for America. Uh, you can find me on Instagram for bird underscore your underscore enthusiasm. And again, you can find our joint IG and Facebook page with Kelenoy Podcast on the IG and Killinois with Bird and Cam on Facebook. And that's yes. it. Oh, and there's an awesome link to our actual website page. Are we there. actually so going to get the website? Like, yeah, I was like, so this is actually going to be a... So we have it up and running. Um, but yeah, check it out. Let us know what you guys think. All right, and we will be back before you know it. And it's signing up, signing off, I should say, riding <laughs> off into the sunset. For Cam, this is Bird. We will catch your asses down the road. Be there. Be there or be killed, bitches. Boom.